Hey everyone, quick note before we begin. Please rate and review SLP's Wine and Cheese on your podcast player. Also, if you love the show and want exclusive content like bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes videos, boom cards, and more, check us out at patreon.com slash SLP's Wine and Cheese. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. And I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. It's for the realistic SLP. Who is actively anti-racism. So I found this article by linguistics.com and I'm going to give the definition for the term microaggression, a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group such as a racial or ethnic minority. This is a form of racism. Yes, yeah, so it's very important to be aware of those vocabulary words because you might think nothing in my life is racist and I don't witness any racism until you are exposed to these types of terms. And then you might realize, oh, you know, somebody did comment on something that was very microaggression-y. Mm, I like how you added the E. So what are you drinking, Deb? Tonight, I am very wild. I've got 32 ounces of water. Wow. Yes, I have this goal to drink 96 ounces of water a day. This is my third cup, so this will be my final ounces that I need to consume. I pee all day. That sounds fun, you know, get in the extra steps. Like, why not? You know, I'm (laughs) munching on a strawberry right now. I have a seltzer with strawberries so i was like oh that's like a nice r phrase right cheers to that and that's how my mind works and i guess sometimes only slps will get that Mm -hmm. i have provolone cheese we later on in this show have a interview coming up dev tell us about the interview during my interview i talked to tay jones we mentioned her briefly in the last episode which you know she sent me this wonderful book called liam's first cut She is the author of this book. She walks us through her journey to authorhood, what her mission was. And she gives some very interesting data regarding um, common bookshelf statistics. Most books have white characters. Secondary Mm -hmm. to that is animals. Then after that, one group would be like diverse. So anyone who's not white. So it's not even like it gets broken down into other categories. And then even smaller than that would be individuals who have disabilities. Mm. So I'm very glad that I met Tay, that she sent me her book, and that I get to use it in therapy. I really enjoyed the pictures, and I Mm -hmm. really liked that she had someone with a disability who was African-American, and she talked about natural hair, which I talked about with Brooke, which I think is Mm -hmm. just so, just the concept alone, I find it fascinating. So excited to read this book and to listen to this interview. Yeah, it's really great. She also talks about what she went through to choose an illustrator, what she had in her mind visually, um, and what her her goals were for the book. And uh, I think she's achieving them. So yeah, stay cheers tuned. to that. Let's cheers. Get a cheers to achieving your goal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cheers. So I'm wearing this fancy robe. Yeah, very nice. Who got you that? You did. That. <laughs> I like how you set up that question. Yeah, I did. Uh, Maria was supposed to be a bridesmaid in my wedding, and then the coronavirus happened, and we 
took that idea out, but I had all these gifts for bridesmaids. I still have three more in my house. I just need, I want to like take things out of my house. So I'm going to mail the other ones, but Maria was here last week. So I gave her her robe and her makeup bag. I love it. It says my name on it. Mm -hmm. I feel so proud of myself, like wearing the silk robe. I feel like, you know, I have like, I have places to be, people to see, even though I don't, but that's right. just how this robe makes you feel. Cause you just feel like so suave, like, and it's yeah. champagne colored. So mm -hmm. yeah. So I love it. Thank you very much. And you're welcome. You know, I'm sure it's a bummer to say the least <laughs> that you didn't know. I to think have tiny your... weddings are the way to go. I oh, think everyone should do it. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us why pitch us pitch to us because it was a lot of fun. It wasn't a financial burden and, um, it just felt pretty great. So do it. I didn't have any care in the world. I was very happy. So I don't know. I think, I think, um, sometimes we have this idea in our head of such an extravagant event and, uh, because there's so many moving parts and components that we can, um, be disappointed if things don't go our way in any particular area. So just kind of like downsizing the vent altogether makes it more about what you're doing. And, uh, also, you know, don't go into debt, getting married. It's hard to argue against, you know, when yeah. you end it with that argument, don't go <laughs> yeah. into marriage with debt. I mean, that does make a lot of financial sense. So that's great. Hey, SLPs, are you sick of rewriting goals, trying to meet unrealistic time expectations and navigating new therapeutic territories? Smart Charts is here to help. We have taken the guesswork and time out of goal writing and documentation. With Smart Charts, you can create personalized intervention plans, IEPs, and POCs with our easy-to-use goal writing tool. Also, you can track and save session notes and data instantly for all documentation needs. We want to make 2020 a little bit better for you essential workers, and we are offering all Y&T's listeners 30 days free and 50% off all new memberships forever. Yes, forever. Just use coupon code Y&T's 2020 and check us out at mysmartcharts.com to get charting faster, better, and smarter. Now on to the show. Everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb, and today I would like to welcome our guest, Tay Jones. Say hi, Tay. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so Tay is a fellow SLP. She's an author, advocate, and public speaker. She has just released her latest book, Liam's First Cut. The book can be found on Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes & Noble. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Super exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to hear all about your book. Uh, but first, let's talk about what we're sipping and snacking on. I am drinking a Riesling this evening, and I am not snacking at the moment. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's <laughs> fine. I So we're doing opposite. So I am trying to not drink right now. So instead, I have San Pellegrino. It's an Italian sparkling drink. I have the Clementine. Oh. version of it. So this makes me feel like I'm doing something mm -hmm. when I'm not. Because uh, so we were just speaking before 
we recorded, I have been virtual since March and it is easy to just sit home and drink wine. So I'm trying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm drinking my calories tonight instead of doing both. (laughs) So I am making up for where you are not snacking. I have provolone cheese. (laughs) That's what I have. Um, Yes. So I am snacking on my provolone. I paired it with my San Pellegrino, and I'm going to pretend that I'm drinking that nice, sweet Riesling that you are drinking. Yeah, it's like you have a mock, uh, what do they call it? A mocktail. Exactly. <laughs> a mocktail. Mm-hmm. So cheers. Okay, cheers. Yeah, sorry. I was swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So can you give me a little bit, ba- a little bit of background on yourself? Of course. So... I am probably better known as Shantae Glover because that's my professional name and that's how most people may know me. And I've been an SLP for a long time, longer than I'd like to admit. Probably, um, I think I'm going on 19 years now. Wow. Yeah, it's been a really long time. Well done. So you know your stuff. I think so. But you know, things change and you have to keep learning and stay up to date with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked in the hospital setting and in school setting and now in private practice, which is where having RSA comes in. I started that about four years. So I am still in schools, but I'm also working privately too. For the most part, my clients are all children and most of them are uh, language delays. I do see a variety of different diagnoses. Of course, um, some children that are on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, as well as children who just have typical delays. Um, I I don't see as much variety as I did when I was in the hospital setting, but I've really grown to love working with the pediatric population. I feel like kids, that's my audience. That's where I feel the most comfortable. And um, having the ability to see children of different ages makes a big difference too. So you get to practice different skills depending on the age group that you're working with. Absolutely. I agree with that. So having our say, I love, I feel like anytime I have thought about name, like having an LLC or even getting a business card or anything, I have been held up on the name Mm. and your name is great. So where to come from? So... The name came before I had the business. Um, I probably made business cards uh, a long, long time ago before I started the private practice, but I wanted to build something that I felt was more of a community where I interacted with the people and the families that I was working with. I wanted the families to feel like it was a place to come to, not only for intervention, but for resources and for advocacy and to feel empowered, like you're a part of the team. So I made it a point to make having our say the name because I wanted it to be not just mine, but for all of us to feel included. Yeah, it's perfect. I Thank I you. would never have thought of that. It's wonderful. It's, um, it's not super on the nose, but it explains thoroughly what your mission is. I feel like sometimes I'm too concrete in my, my thinking, like, talk to me. Well, I, <laughs> like, I think too, I should tell you that, you know, it started okay. out, the business started out as a blog. So okay. that's probably why it was a little concrete when you think about it that way. I was just blogging and I was sharing resources and tips 
And um, I had met with someone, another SLP, who said, well, do you want to be in business or do you want to volunteer? And I was like, well, no, I don't want to just be a volunteer. I do like helping people, but she said, you know, you need to think about it in that sense. So that's when the shift happened. But initially having our say was my blog post. And to answer, to go back to your point, it, I guess it was a little bit more concrete because it was a conversation. I wanted it to be more of a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's transcended from that. So it does work For quite sure. well. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> and it's also, it's your Instagram handle, right? It is. Yes. It's my Instagram handle. And also my Facebook page goes by the same name. And if uh, users were interested in following you, what type of content would they expect to see there? Um, For the most part, I share a lot of my book recommendations. So I have become very passionate about talking about diverse books and diversifying your library. So as I come across books, children's books for the most part um, that I love, I share them on my Instagram and make recommendations. Um, So you'll find a lot of those. You'll find some inspirational quotes here and there. You may see a couple of pictures of my family, but not too many. And sometimes you'll just see me and the lipstick that I love to wear. (laughs) Nice. I love it. I think it's a great visual cue too. It's like right here, the lips. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Right. Look at my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I love the idea of making people cognitively aware that it is important to diversify their bookshelf. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a couple of your latest diverse book recommendations that people might be interested in picking up? Of course. Um, That's a hard question for me because this has become my new habit, especially Mm -hmm. during the quarantine to shop for books. So I'll try to limit it. But uh, one book that I like a lot that I shared um, is called The Skin You Live In. And I'm not sure how new it is, but it's a very simple picture book. It rhymes. So teachers and SLPs will love that too. But it just talks about our skin and it gives you really great visuals of our skin being different colors, but how despite the outside covering that we're very much similar on the inside. And I think it's a great book to share with children when you're just trying to teach empathy and understanding differences. Another book that I love is called um, Bilal Cook's Doll. D-A-A-L, I hope I'm saying that correctly. And I like that book too, because it's a book that just shows kids being kids. And um, the main character is of Indian descent and he's sharing this traditional Indian dish with his friends. And he's worried about whether or not they'll like the taste of it. But in the interim, while it's being prepared by his father, you see them just going out and playing. And it's children from all different backgrounds, all different cultures, just doing typical things that kids would do. But the story does end with them coming back inside and enjoying the dinner and everyone loves it. So I love that book because it's so simplistic, but there's so many gems inside of it. That's uh-huh. another favorite of mine too. Oh, that one sounds great. Is he, is he like, while he's playing, is he thinking about what's happening inside? He is. He's thinking oh. about he's thinking about that. He's thinking about well, my friends like the dish, but his friends are also constantly asking, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? And every oh, time okay. they ask about the food being done, he starts to worry a little bit more, like maybe they'll lose interest. Maybe when they taste it, they won't like the texture, maybe they won't like the smell. Um, so it's not 
it's not on purpose that they're out playing so long. He's not trying to purposefully distract them, distract them, but you see them disengaging in stuff that kids typically would do um, while they're waiting for his dad to finish the dish. And that's giving me so many ideas. You can um, talk about anticipation. Mm -hmm. You can talk about the feelings of each character mm -hmm. and, and how do you know that they're feeling that way? Um, yes. I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's a great one for inferencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what else you got? Um, there's another book called Saturday, which is probably one of my favorites because it reminds me of being a little girl and spending Saturdays with my grandmother and my mom. And it's about a single mom and her daughter. The mom works all week long and she can't wait until Saturday because that's the day they get to spend together. But on this particular Saturday, a lot of things go wrong. So oh, this dear. book is about mindfulness and it's about being able to, um, celebrate and enjoy the moments and the time you have together, even when things don't go as planned. And uh, I like it too, because the setting is different. So instead of, um, you often see like a suburban neighborhood in a lot of picture books, but this book is set in what I want to believe is New York City, because it looks like a typical city. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the, the mom and the daughter ride the bus, they don't get into their car. So I feel like it opens up the doors for a lot of different conversations about some people don't have cars, some people ride buses, and some people don't live in houses, some people live in apartment buildings. And then the things that the mom and the daughter do on their typical Saturday don't look much different than what most people probably do with their families on their time off to like go to the park or go catch a puppet show. But um, I love how they respond to the adversity when things don't go as planned. But in the end, they're just happy to be together. Oh, that sounds yeah. great. It's a really sweet one. Yeah. And it sounds, um, so like you mentioned, I am, I live and work in Brooklyn. So, so many books talk about your backyard, your car, mm -hmm. your house, and we're like backyard, you know, yeah, <laughs> yes. lawnmower. What do you do with that? Right. Um, so that sounds particularly interesting to me because yes, we're on the bus, we're in apartments, we're right. doing all that stuff. For sure. And I think that sometimes it's assumed I'm, not in New York City, I'm right across the river in Northern New Jersey, but I also live in a building and um, we have a condo, but it's often assumed that when you live in um, an apartment building or a building of sorts, that that means that you don't have money. You must have less money than people who have houses, or mm -hmm. if you don't have a car, that it must be because you can't afford one. But um, you and I know because right. of the, the area that we live in that sometimes it's just a matter of convenience to not have a car. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you don't want to park it. You don't want to park it. You don't want to pay $3,000 a month for parking. Exactly. You don't want to move it for alternate side. Right. And sometimes, you know, living in a house is just not your preference because you don't want to cut grass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to own all that stuff. You want to call somebody up who's like, you know, there's a hole. Someone fix it. Right. Right. <laughs> So I think it's cool, too, to be able to show kids different settings. And when you talk about settings and characters, just talk about that, you know, sometimes the setting will be a little bit different than maybe what you're accustomed to seeing. So I like Saturday for that reason, too. Wonderful. Sounds good. So you have accomplished uh, one of my lifelong dreams, uh, writing and publishing a book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, first, I need to know, was this a long endeavor? Like, how did you get started? What happened? So, it, 
the, the work that I was doing with um, looking for more bo books that displayed diverse representation led me to writing this book. Mm -hmm. And I realized that um, the reason why many of us tend to gravitate towards books that don't feature characters or black or brown is because there aren't that many. And um, sometimes the stories are stories of oppression and stories of struggle and kids don't want to read that all the time. So I got the idea to write a book that celebrates kids just being kids because that's typically what I see and what I encounter in my therapy sessions. And I think of my own kids kids just want to be happy. So I wanted to write a story about that. Mm -hmm. And so the idea for a book came to me while I was just like looking at other people's work. And then, um, all right. Friend, step one idea. Step one was the idea. Okay. And I woke up one day and I was like to my husband, do you think this could be a book? And he's like, absolutely. That could be a book. And I'm like, and then a friend said, you know, um, I see you sharing all these books on your Instagram, but which one is your book? And I said, I don't have a book. But then oh. it was like, oh, maybe the universe is saying you need to write a book. Right. Step two, universe. Got step it. Step two, universe. <laughs> okay. And then step three is universe again. I end okay. up at a brunch uh -huh. and the um, keynote speaker for the event is a publisher. Oh. And the girlfriend that I was with was saying, um, like, elbowing me you need to talk to her you need to talk to her and I didn't I took her card and uh, a month later I got the courage to pitch the idea to her and she loved it oh. and from there we started the process for writing Liam's first cut wonderful um <laughs> so that was a good three-step pro four-step process <laughs> not bad no not bad and probably not typical <laughs> no no that was that was the universe was key yes yeah yes. Um, so what I wanted to know, so what did you have to have prepared prior to, um, really reaching out to this publisher? Um, so I had a framework for that idea. What started out as an idea, um, I started writing, I started drafting what I thought the story would be. And I thought more about what I wanted the purpose of the book to be. Mm -hmm. And um, I am not a writer unless you consider all the reports that we write <laughs> as speech pathologists um, as part of my experience. But that's not something that I do by trade. So I was really unfamiliar with the whole process. So honestly, mm -hmm. all I had was my draft and the, the thoughts in my head with my purpose and my mission. And that's what I went to the publisher with. And from there, we worked together to make it turn into the end result of the book. Nice. And then um, just to reiterate, what was your theme, purpose, mission overall? My purpose with this book was to, one, add to the diversity that I felt was so lacking in children's literature. Um, when it comes to like overall um, animals, come second to white main characters. White main characters probably make up um, maybe, maybe 45, 46% of most, um, most of the children's books. They are the main mm -hmm. characters. Then come animals who make up the next highest percentage. And then right. when you think of all minority groups, um, they make up less than 30%. Mm -hmm. And specifically for black main characters, it's about 12%. So I thought about how intentional I had to be with building a library for my own daughters. I wanted them to feel inspired and encouraged. So I would seek out books with characters that look like them. And I wanted to add something like that to the, lit the industry, but I also wanted to also give representation to children with special needs. I felt like 
um, in my research, I found that there were only maybe three, three and a half percent of books that actually show or talk wow. about children who have some sort of um, special need. Um, and because that's what I work so closely with, I felt like I wanted not only to showcase um, diversity in the sense of race and ethnicity, but also in ability level. And having worked so closely with so many families over the years, I felt like I could add to that as well. So those yeah. two were my, my mission with this project. Well, you accomplished it. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so then what were your considerations when choosing an illustrator? Oh, that was tough. Because... I can imagine that's got to be like the toughest thing because you have this idea yes. and then somebody else has to understand your idea and you have to be like, good job or no. Or no. And, <laughs> and I'm not an artist, so I don't right. know the words to use. You're like, try again. Yeah, so I could say like, no, this isn't it. Not no. I want it to look more um, like watercolory. Like I don't even know how to describe it to you. <laughs> so uh, that was really tough. And I did go through two illustrators. The first one I had, she presented an image of Liam that I didn't love, but I loved the eyes. And mm -hmm. there was something about the eyes that sparked emotion in me. And I felt like I could probably work with her. Uh -huh. But she was not in the United States. She was, um, she was somewhere in Italy. And I realized quickly that there were some things that were being lost in translation. Like she didn't know what a barber shop chair would look like. Right. And we would lose a lot of time and energy if I had to constantly try to explain everything to her. Yeah. So, then you're being speech uh, therapist again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine, but yeah. I also wanted to get the project out. So, right, yeah. like, so I ended up with my um, final illustrator, Des Carter. And initially what I did was just write out everything, what mm -hmm. I wanted it to look like. So I had to try to put into words everything that I was visualizing. And it wasn't easy. He was easy to work with. And uh, eventually we were able to get to a point where it fit mostly what I wanted, but then he was able to add in some of his own artistic expression too, because I was open to that, you know, I don't mm -hmm. want to completely stifle him. And right. I figured he would know what things might look better visually than I did. So it was a nice partnership working together, but it, it, it wasn't easy for sure. <laughs> uh huh. I love the cover, how the father is just gently guiding his son by the back of his head. I just feel yeah. like, I feel like if I'm walking past kids in the hall, if I'm walking down the street and some kid just like runs out in front of me, like that's kind of like my um, instinct right? to do. So yeah. I just felt like that was so human. Yeah. I, I, I love that too. And I, but I didn't want to show too much of the dad. I wanted the book to focus on the bond that Liam has with his family, but on the cover, I wanted Liam to be the star because mm -hmm. really about his experience. But I, I liked that, that little tender touch of the dad yeah. just guiding him into this new experience. So yeah. thank you for noticing that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Um, so I was telling you how I use this book with a, a student that I'm working with. Um, uh, they're in second grade and they're struggling a bit with answering those more com um, complex WH questions. Um, we are done with the who is the story about, where are they, all of those concrete explicit questions. And your book was able to, there were so many opportunities for you to ask questions, how does the character feel? What is the character thinking? Um, 
And also just um, what is the, I love to ask like, what is the character thinking about now? And also what is he comparing um, his future experience to? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just found that to be so helpful to target all of these more complex WH questions. Thank you. I, I love hearing that. I, like I mentioned to you before, I love hearing how people are using the book in therapy. I have to be completely transparent and say like, I guess it's always there, but I was not wearing my SLP hat as I was writing right. the book. Mm -hmm. I was more so just trying to convey the emotions that I was feeling and developing the story. But as I look back at it, at the end, I could see a lot of elements that would be wonderful to use in therapy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we talked about whether or not they had ever gotten a haircut and if it was scary or exciting to them. And, um, and it was just, there was tons of, tons of stuff to talk about and it lasted our whole session. I didn't use any other activities that day. So oh, that's thank awesome. you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. I love that feedback. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I was also mentioning how, so I think my last day of school was March 12th and we had a scheduled planned day off that March 13th. And then that weekend we got the news that our school was closing. So we never went back. And all of my, for the most part, all of my books, my materials, everything that I would have go to for my therapy sessions are still sitting in that school. Hopefully, I don't know where they are. I mean, <laughs> who knows what happens when school is gone. So um, this, when you had asked me if uh, you could send me this book, I was like, please. <laughs> um, so I was super, super glad to have it. And uh, it definitely changed up my week. I then um, ended up reading it with all of my students from my school and I'm going to bring it to my clinic this week. I hope that I, I thank you first of all for saying yes and for using it in therapy and I hope that more SLPs are more open to looking at different books and broadening your your library. A lot of us tend to stick with our favorites because they work so well with mm -hmm. the lessons that we've created. Um, but I don't want people to think that when you start to diversify your library, that it's going to be difficult for you to use those books in therapy because it's, it's not. It's just a matter of changing some of the images and changing some of the storylines maybe that you're accustomed to using, but you can easily use these and adapt them to your sessions as well. Absolutely. Yes. And um, my students in particular um, definitely find it relatable. I, I work in Brooklyn and I work with diverse populations. And um, when I inherit materials, um, I mean, I draw the most of my materials and, and I try to be mindful of the diversity that I include within everything that I draw. So um, I think I am a little bit more biased against drawing white people because I don't really have very many white clients. Mm -hmm. um, but when I do inherit stuff and I, I honestly get embarrassed um, when it's just like pictured action and it's just like every child is, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and yeah. it, it becomes embarrassing for me after a while. And that's why I ended up just drawing all of my own things because it's important to be able to see yourself in the learning materials that you're trying to learn from. 
Absolutely, absolutely. We all want to feel seen and validated. So just think about that, that child that's in your classroom setting, how excited they would be to be able to see a reflection of themselves in something that you have in your, in your, on your shelf or in your, your toolbox, whatever it is. Um, that's just a wonderful feeling. And I've heard that a few times since the book has been released, people saying like, my student who is usually difficult to engage was so interactive that day. And he finally shared because he said, that's me, that looks just like me. Or um, parents letting me know that kids said that they thought that that looked like them too. And not only black parents, you know, some, a lot of non-black parents also said that their children related to the experience and related to going to the barber shop. And some of them wanted to get a cool haircut like Liam at the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been um, incredibly humbling and rewarding to see so many different types of people connect to the story. And so many people learn, especially children, learn something new about autism, even if it's not learning and understanding completely about under, uh, autism, but just understanding that some people learn differently and some people are a little bit more sensitive to certain things than others. Right. I loved, um, because I, I, um, didn't have any indication of, um, Liam being autistic until you said that he wrote a social story with his, uh, therapist at school, um, and to prepare him for the haircut. And then that's when I started to realize. And then I started to think, oh, like he is really, when he is describing the way he is thinking about his haircut, he is very in tune to like his, the sounds within his environment and like the sensory aspects of um, what's going on around him. So um, it wasn't like very, it wasn't, it wasn't too on the nose again. I just mm -hmm. felt like it was, you had, you had a nice, uh, like nuance, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you just weaved it in there, like maintaining that, like, um, like normalcy. Yes. That, that was That's, my goal. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want it to be. And I, I know, um, in the, in the description from the publisher, they talk about and they tell you up front that Liam is autistic. But this wasn't, my goal wasn't to, for this book to be, hi, I'm Liam and I'm autistic. It was your goal to see a little boy who's excited to spend time with his dad finally and go to the barbershop and get a haircut. But his journey to the barbershop and preparation for the barbershop differs a little bit because he's a little different. But I, I wanted to celebrate and normalize his differences, not pointed mm -hmm. out as it's something to um, something the bad. I wanted it to be more so something that just is normal. And a lot of people, when they see it, they're like, "Oh, I, I'm a little nervous about the buzzing, the buzzing of the clippers too." Or uh, I get nervous when a bee is near my ear. That bothers me too. Oh, yeah. I want you to, I want you to see the similarities between mm -hmm. what Liam experiences and what typical children may experience too. Yeah, I loved that. Um, it does say that in the little bio on the back. I'm not very good at, I just dive right in. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you teach kids like the title page, then there's another one. You know, right, like, right. I'm like, where's the story? We're going right in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been so wonderful speaking with you. I was wondering if you have any tips or tricks um, for any of the listeners. Now this can be life related, this can be therapy related. 
we just try to focus on these um, being tips or strategies that we can use immediately, like no prep, just, you know, go look at your bookshelf and think this or do this in therapy tomorrow, something along the lines of that. Um, go look at your, your bookshelves and take a quick inventory and see what's there. Do you have books that feature mostly animals? Do you have books that feature mostly blonde hair, blue eyed characters? Mm -hmm. Take a look at how much diversity exists in your library and see where the gaps are and see what you could do to make some changes. Yeah, I'm looking over. I got, I got no people. No people. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> when I was doing some research, I read a study that said that, and we often use our books because we're not only focusing on specific skills, but we also want to teach life skills and social skills. Mm -hmm. And it said that children learn better when we use human characters yeah. and not animals. So I was like, oh, maybe I should start <laughs> using more people books instead of so many animal books. So makes, I, that would makes be my complete answer. sense. Never thought of that. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I got, I'm a dirty dinosaur, busy train book. That's not my dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I had no people, um, except now I got Liam, so. Now you have Liam. <laughs> so my tip or trick is to add Liam's first cut to your library and uh, take an inventory. Yes, just like, yes. just like Tay said. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. And, and Liam <laughs> is available on my website too, if you happen to want a personal copy of it I'm still signing some copies so you can order it at tayjones.com yes I got a signed copy I feel very Yay. special thank you <laughs> you're welcome um is there a is that the best way to buy the book where you benefit the most because I think that's important to purchasers it is actually it is okay. the way that I benefit the most too um when you purchase through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any other reseller, it does give me more credibility in the True. literary world. So I benefit there too. But as far as, um, I guess you could say recouping mm -hmm. uh, my funds, it's right. definitely if you purchase through the website. Good. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I know you are a quote lady just like me. So I'm wondering, do you have any sort of quote or mantra, just anything inspirational, something that you think of that can um, help listeners get through a day, get through a week? What keep, What's on your mind lately? Um, the thing that pops into my mind first, and I know you mentioned this before, but I totally blanked on it, is what I always, um, this, Nikki Giovanni is one of my favorite poets. And she has a quote where she says, once you know who you are, you don't have to worry anymore. And I think that, um, especially as I've gotten older, and once you know more about who you are and you trust in yourself, then you don't have to worry about anything else. So that's, that's my quote and that's my tip for everyone, especially uh, as women. I think we often tend to doubt ourselves. So know who you are, stand firm in who you are, and trust that. And then you don't have to worry about anything else. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, let everyone know where they can find you and uh, that'll be it for tonight. 
You can find me on Instagram at having our say. I'm on Facebook by the same name. Um, I have, I, sh I didn't mention before, but I do have a website for my private practice, havingoursay.org. And I do have a curated, um, diverse book recommendation list there. So if you're looking to add new titles, I have um, a few sorted there by category. So if you're looking for books on um, race, books about family, friendship, books for empathy, you can just uh, peruse that area of my website. And if you're looking to purchase a copy of Liam's First Cut, you can go to tayjones.com. Love it. Thank you so much. I Thank can't believe you. I have no people. No people. <laughs> well, you, have, you, you have a person. <laughs> I do. I have one. I have a person. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saving my bookshelf. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great night. Thanks. Again. Thanks. You too. listening to SLP's Wine and Cheese podcast. We have new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we would appreciate it if you would like and review us on iTunes. If you love the show and want more bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash SLP's Wine and Cheese. We have a brand new podcast on there. It's called The Sit Down with Deb, where I talk with New York City comedians. And there is another new secret podcast coming in 2021. So check it out.